ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له نشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Dear respected sisters assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh I hope you all well inshallah jazakallah khair sister tahira for the introduction so, I mean, without further ado, I'm going to go straight into the topic. Alhamdulillah, today I'm going to be talking about the power of hijab. So it's a topic that is hopefully something that is very close to our hearts. Um, however, in recent times, there's been a lot of misinformation, miscommunication regarding the hijab, regarding the importance of the hijab, regarding the role uh, of the hijab itself. Uh, so inshallah today I just want to shed a little bit of light into that. So the concept of hijab itself, where does it stem from? Like how do we know that the hijab is something that as Muslim women we ought to be wearing? Where do we get this sort of injunction from? So there are two surahs in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about uh, the importance of hijab. The first one is in Surah Nur. And the beginning of um, the, the, the context of hijab, it begins by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to the believing men. Allah says, say to the believing men to lower their gaze and to guard their private parts, as in guard their chastity. Indeed, Allah is all aware of that which they do. Then in the verse after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the exact same thing to women. Say to the believing women to also lower their gaze and protect their private parts. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues and gives um, sort of more rulings that are attached to women. So it's important to note that the concept of hijab, it stems from the concept of modesty. The concept of modesty is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated for all of the nations before us. There was not a single prophet except that he came uh, in order to perfect good character. And from good character is to have modesty, to have haya. Indeed, the Prophet wasallam he said in a hadith that al-haya'u shu'batun min al-iman. That having modesty is a part of Iman. It is a branch of Iman. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that modesty is not a part of anything except that it beautifies it. Meaning if you were to take anything, any scenario, any person, any situation and treat it with you know, modesty, then that thing, that situation, that person would only grow in beauty. And the opposite is also true, that if immorality or immodesty is added to anything, then it only serves to kind of uh, defile and make that thing more ugly. Even uh, Prophet Isa, السلام, he, he, he is mentioned in a hadith that from one of the wisdoms of the prophets of the past is that if you don't have any modesty, then you can do whatever you wish. If you don't have any modesty, you can do whatever you wish. And looking at it from a Muslim framework, you know, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us free will for us to be able to do what we please because there's no accountability per se in this world. 
all accountability is going to be in the hereafter. However, within the boundaries of Islam, if somebody professes belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we claim to believe in the Prophet وسلم, and everything that he came with, then within those boundaries, then we don't have a choice in what is a part of the religion and what is not a part of the religion. Therefore, if we want to be true believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it's necessary to follow all of his injunctions. And that is the key thing here. You know, I'm going to be talking about a few different things, but it always comes back to this one thing, that anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to do, then as slaves to Allah, as believing slave men, slave women, it is not befitting for us to deny or to turn away from any of the commandments of Allah. Because we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who created us, the one who created everything, the one who nourishes us and sustains us, the one in front of whom we will have to stand one day and answer for all of our deeds and misdeeds. He does not legislate anything for his creation except that there is goodness in it for the creation. So from all the way, starting from salah to zakat that we pay, the hajj that we do, the fasting in Ramadan, the staying away from lying, staying away from backbiting, staying away from fornication, being good to parents, not stealing, not committing murder. There is not a single commandment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us except that in it is, you know, is, is reform and excellence for the creation. And hijab is one of those commandments that we have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this verse in Surah Nur, Allah begins the, 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 the talk of hijab by firstly addressing the believing men to lower their gaze and to, you know, to have an air of modesty about them. Then Allah turns his attention to the women, telling them, the believing women, للمؤمنات, to also um, you know, cast down their gaze as well. This is um, a commandment that applies to both men and women, that we shouldn't be you know, looking at things that are not pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially when it comes to uh, you know, people of the opposite gender. It's not befitting for a man to stare at a woman, or for a woman to likewise to say at a man, especially with feelings of lust. Obviously, when you're going, you know, with the, around your daily business, you know, you're going to the shops, or you're going here and there, college, school, etc. It's impossible not to come across people of the opposite gender. But in particular, this is talking about looking with a lustful gaze, because as we all know, that's stage one of falling down a very, very slippery slope, the end of which might result in something that is completely haram in the eyes of Allah. Because, you know, where does adultery and fornication start from? What is the very, very beginning step? It's looking at one another with a lustful gaze, with wrong thoughts, and then it leads on to something else, then it leads to talking, then it leads to something more and something more and something more. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who created man and woman in weakness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that Allah knows that there are certain weaknesses within us, certain weaknesses within men and within women when it comes to the opposite gender. Therefore, in order to avoid falling into something that is detested by Allah, and that is the act of fornication or adultery, 
it's only befitting that anything that leads up to it is also removed from our path. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues in Surah Nur by telling the believing women to lower their gaze so that we're not looking at the, the opposite gender, we're not being tempted and enticed into committing haram. Then he says that they should not reveal their adornment except that which is naturally revealed and to draw their veils over their chests and not to reveal their beauty except to their husbands and fathers, etc, etc. Then Allah subhanahu wa mentions a few people that are from our mahrams, the, you know, those men that we are not allowed to marry. So our husband and then those other men that we are not allowed to marry, such as fathers and sons and nephews, etc. Um, in front of them, you know, not wearing the hijab is something that is permitted. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding the believers here and this is important because it's linked to point number one that I'm talking about point number one is that the hijab is a command from Allah it is not a choice that a believing woman has it's not something that is voluntary it's not something that we can do if we want to or that we can take off if we want to not something that we should be wearing you know when it suits us and then taking it off when it suits us we are believers 24 7 we are believing women, you know, slaves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of our waking and sleeping moments. Therefore, it's not correct that we go against the commands of Allah in any situation. So this is a command from Allah and the evidence for that comes from the Quran in Surah Nur, which I'm talking about, and Surah Ahzab, which I'm going to talk about. And the reason I'm emphasizing this so much is because there is a very loud movement of, of women that are sort of pushing this narrative that the hijab is a choice, that it's a freedom of choice that, 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 that we have. And that's something that can be, you know, quite a dangerous sort of mentality to, 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 to adopt. Because like I said, a person is free to act as they will but there's going to be accountability on the day of judgment. A person is, you know, they have free will as to whether they come into Islam or whether they don't. La ikraha fiddin, there is no compulsion in religion, means that we cannot force any person to submit to Allah. We cannot force any person to become a Muslim. You know, there's no such thing in the religion. We don't go around forcing non-Muslims to become Muslim. Because from one of the foundations of, of belief is that you have to believe with your heart. And that's not something that you can impose on somebody else. But once a person has come into Islam, then we are bound by the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the hijab is one of those commandments. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here in Surah Nur that look, the, 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 the beginning of hijab, the beginning of modesty is to lower your gaze this is, you know, the, the way that modesty manifests upon your body for men and women. But obviously this is a female gathering, so I'm going to be talking especially about uh, women. But please do not be in any doubt that rulings of chastity, rulings of modesty that apply to women are also highly emphasized to men as well. There are examples, you know, of these verses in the Quran where Allah addresses men before he addresses women. And there are countless examples in the sunnah of the Prophet And indeed he himself was the most modest and shy of creation. 
as a man, as a prophet of Allah, as the most beloved to Allah. Because this trait of modesty is something that is so pleasing to Allah from all of his servants, whether male or female. But each, you know, when it comes to males and females, even though there is, you know, equality in the sense that anything that a man does and anything that a woman does they both will be held responsible equally and they both will be rewarded equally like for example if a man was to pray salah and a woman prays salah you know it's not you know it's not possible that the man will be rewarded more than the woman just because of virtue that he's a man but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at the deeds if a woman's salah is better, is full of more khushu, is done in the correct manner, the wudu and the performing, etc., she will get more reward than the man. Whereas if the man's is better, he has more good deeds, then he will be rewarded more than the woman. So the issue of gender, it doesn't enter into the equation of reward and punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But because in this dunya that we live in, man and woman have been created differently. We've been created physically differently, you know, even psychologically, we, there are differences between men and women. Therefore, the religion of Islam, it kind of, you know, takes that into account, it accommodates for that that the, the, the demeanor of a man is different. Therefore, the overarching rulings are the same for both of them, but there are going to be specifics that only apply to men and certain specifics that only apply to women. And this is one of those scenarios. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by giving the general command to both man and woman. And then he, in addition, mentions to the believing women that not only do you have to lower your gaze and guard your chastity, but on top of that, you should not reveal your, your beauty, do not reveal your adornment, except those things that are naturally, you know, apparent. So, for example, you know, you've got the hands and you've got the face, according to, you know, some opinions. These kind of things where it's very difficult to, to go about your daily business, you know, being fully covered. These things are exempted. But everything else... It comes under the commandment of covering it up because this is your beauty, you know, and the, the, the beauty and the aura of a man is different to the beauty and aura of, of a woman. So Allah says that on top of that, you should not reveal your beauty except for, you know, certain men that Allah has given exemption for. And the scholars, when they kind of discuss this verse regarding, you know, what does it mean to cover your adornment, cover your beauty? Um, you know, it's important to note that, look, these sometimes it's not possible for a scholar to give you a ruling on every single, you know, form of dress that you are allowed to wear and that you are not allowed to wear because you know it's almost impossible you know you're getting ready in the morning let's just say you're getting ready to go to university or you're getting ready for a party you're getting ready for a wedding you know you're not going to ring up a scholar and you know ask them regarding every single outfit that you've got in your wardrobe is this you know am I allowed to wear this what do you think is this appropriate is this not appropriate Sometimes we have to look at our inner sort of compass that we have that should guide us in terms of knowing what is right or wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given all of us a, a heart that is, it is possible for a sound heart, a believing heart to discern between right and wrong. If you have got outfits in your wardrobe that you are in like two minds about whether, you know, I sh am I allowed to wear this or not allowed to wear this? 
most likely is something that, you know, is probably not the best thing for you to be wearing. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that doubt in your mind. Therefore, you know, from a practical perspective, we need to kind of um, build within ourselves the sense of taqwa, which is being conscientious, conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you think that this thing that you are wearing, this dress or this hijab or, you know, this top or this trouser or whatever it is, is not going to be pleasing to Allah, that you would not be comfortable standing in front of Allah on the day of judgment wearing such clothing, then get rid of it. You know, it's not something that you should be wearing in public then. You don't need somebody to tell you exactly what you can and can't wear. This is something that we should understand, that there are certain guidelines. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said to dress modestly, then we should know within ourselves what falls under that and what doesn't. You know, that's something that is important for us to adopt because then it's going to help us in all aspects of our life. Being conscious of Allah applies to all aspects of our life, not just the hijab. And, you know, sometimes I hear people saying that, um, you know, how do we know what we can and can't wear? And, you know, there was a sister who once mentioned that if you wouldn't feel comfortable wearing something in front of your, your dad, then, you know, you shouldn't be wearing it in front of other people. Which, you know, is kind of, is fine as a, as a sentiment, I understand where she was coming from, but we kind of need to move away from this idea that, you know, we are doing things or we are not doing things for other people, but rather we need to have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in mind, rather than thinking, what are people going to say? What is mom or dad going to think? You know, we need to be thinking to ourselves, well, what is Allah going to say? And what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to think? What is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa going to think of us when, you know, we want to go to him, come to him on the day of judgment for our thirst to be quenched? You know, what kind of clothing, what kind of clothing would we want to be presented in front of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa with? So even though, yes, it's important, for us to obviously respect our parents and generally speaking and obviously I'm not saying this applies all the time but generally speaking you know our elders they kind of do have a better sense of modesty uh, compared to the younger generation so um, I'm not kind of sort of belittling that at all you should take a mashwara from your elders and people that you regard as pious ask them for their opinion on certain things but at the end of the day you know what people think is not as important as what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thinks. So that leads me on to the next verse then, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about um, the, the hijab. And this is in Surah Ahzab, verse number 59, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ba'da'a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem, ya ayyuhan nabi, O Prophet, qul li azwajika wa banatika wa nisa'il mu'mineen. Say to your wives and to your daughters and to the believing women. So this is a command for the Prophet ﷺ to address three groups of women. One are the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. Second are his daughters. And third is the rest of the believing women. And you know, subhanAllah, even this is, you know, it's almost like, it's like an honor to be included amongst the wives and the daughters of the Prophet ﷺ in one verse. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing all of us the way that he is addressing the best women that were ever created. 
you know, the likes of Khadija radiallahu anha, Aisha, Fatima radiallahu anhuma, in the same manner, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing us as believing women as well. And what does he command us to do? يُذْنِينَ عَلَيْهِنَّ مِنْ جَلَابِيبِهِنَّ ذَلِكَ أَدْنَا أَنْ يُعْرَفْنَا فَلَا يُؤْذَيْنَ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tell your wives and your daughters and the believing women what? To draw over themselves their jilbabs. So jilabib is a plural of the word jilbab. And jilbab is like an outer garment that is worn. So it's something that is in addition to the hijab. So we're going to come back to the hijab in a minute. So in addition to the hijab, there's another piece of garment, something extra that we should be wearing for that extra layer of modesty and protection for us. And this is what a command that was given to the best of people, the best of women, and it also applies to us. You know, the Prophet ﷺ is being uh, told to uh, put forward this notification to all of mankind that this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects from us as believing women, that we draw over ourselves our jilbabs. This it makes it more likely that we will be recognized. This makes it more likely that believing women will be recognized as believing women. And you know, subhanAllah, it's no like it's not hidden at all. Everybody knows that the hijab is a sign of a person's faith. You know, no doubt. You know, if you were to see a woman walking down the road wearing a hijab, you know without her even opening her mouth, without you having to speak to her, without you having to get to know her, that this is a Muslimah. So this, you know, in all reality, you know, without uh, being cheesy about it, this really is a crown that is placed on the head of the believing women because it is a sign, it is a symbol of Islam, it is a symbol of your submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah mentions in this surah, that this makes it more likely for you to be recognized, to be recognized as free confident Muslim women that have chosen to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than choosing to submit to the rest of society, rather than choosing to submit and follow the trends that other people who are also a creation of Allah, that other people who might not have our best interests at heart impose upon us. And if you look, you know, just, you know, very briefly within the fashion industry, you know, who makes the decisions at the top? Who decides what is fashionable or not? It's not women making these decisions for other women. It's men at the top, you know, trickling down their thoughts and their desires upon, you know, these models and these fashion companies. And then that trickles down to the rest of society. And like sheep, we're kind of drawn into this. So this season, whatever, you know, the guy at the top has said it looks good and is fashionable, then all of these actresses and women and models and etc., they start adopting it. It starts going on the catwalks and then it filters down and everybody starts thinking, yes, in order to look good this season, this is what I need to be doing. So we are, you know, bowing and submitting to, you know, the will of, of, of men in the world, you know, and that's the reality. And there is uh, quite... Um, 
a, a substantial movement now where where people I'm talking about you know in the non-muslim kind of community in the western community where people are pushing for women to kind of take on this role rather than men because almost in every single aspect of fashion uh, hair and beauty etc it's men that are setting these standards of what is good and what is not because they want to push what would suit them what will fulfill their kind of less lusts and desires so this is not something that is befitting for for a woman um you know especially a woman who who believes and submits to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if you want to be recognized um as as being a woman of allah allah is saying that this is a symbol this is a sign that you can adopt in order to be recognized and on top of that the hijab brings like an extra added benefit you can say and we do not wear hijab so that you know men don't approach us we do not wear hijab so that um you you know we aren't molested on the streets and we aren't catcalled and men don't you know um you know say horrible things to us that's not the reason behind the hijab you know that that's very clear when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to do something we are doing this because it's a command from allah we're not doing it for anybody else However, there are also going to be benefits and wisdoms behind the commands of Allah. So for example, when it comes to, um, you know, let's just say the fasting. You know, we fast in the month of Ramadan, you know, from dawn to dusk. Why? Because simply put, it's a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we chose to profess, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, we kind of bound ourselves to following the will of Allah. Therefore, if Allah has made it compulsory upon Muslims to fast in the month of Ramadan, that is what we are going to do. Now, if there are any extra benefits that come out of fasting, for example, a person might find that their health improves by fasting. A person might find that, you know, they lose weight by fasting. A person might find that, you know, it brings their family together, etc., um, etc. Et you know, there's loads of, you know, beautiful things that, that, that we experience in Ramadan. Now, that's not the reason why we fast, but these are kind of byproducts that are extremely welcomed byproducts of fasting. Likewise with the hijab, we do it for the sake of Allah. You know, the hijab is in place not because of any person, but because Allah has commanded us to do it. Now, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful to his creation, because Allah is al-Hakim, Allah is all-wise, anything that he legislates upon anybody is always going to be beneficial for us. Therefore, in this verse Allah mentions, that the command of hijab comes from Allah, but on top of that, look at the benefits that come with it. Number one, you're going to be recognized as believing women. That's like a, a benefit that comes from wearing the hijab, that other people will know that, wow, this is a woman who has chosen to submit to Allah rather than submit to other people. This is a woman who um, is so confident in herself that she doesn't need to bow to the whims and desires of the creation, but rather she is serving something higher than that. She is serving something higher than you know, the, the fashion industry and, and men and other, you know, things like that. 
And secondly, فَلَا يُؤْذَيْنِ It makes it more likely that you will not be harmed, that you won't be molested, that you won't be, you know, catcalled and whistled at, and you won't be approached for someone to, you know, you know, give over your number or to engage in a relationship, etc. It makes it more likely that, you know, these kind of things won't happen to you. Is it saying that it's okay for men to do this kind of stuff? No, of course not. Because we've just read the verse in Surah Nur where both men and women are commanded to lower their gaze. In other verses in the Quran, both men and women are commanded to not even approach a zina. So if a man or a woman was to engage in any of this, of course there's accountability. It's a sin. They're going to be held responsible in front of Allah. But generally taking into account the way that people work, the way that the psychology of people work, the way that society kind of, you know, the kind of things that happen in society, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in the Quran that look, in order to save yourself from the harm of these, you know, horrible people with horrible thoughts, this is one of the ways that is, you know, an excellent way of doing that. And I'm not saying for a second that people who um, don't wear hijab are bad people or I'm not saying that people who wear hijab are very pure and good people. Yes, of course, there are going to be examples. You probably know examples. I know examples of women who wear hijab and then they're engaging in, you know, haram relationships. And you probably know women who don't wear hijab, who are extremely shy and modest and, you know, they wouldn't even think about engaging in a haram relationship. There are always going to be examples of that, of course. But we are looking at the general picture. We are looking at the general picture that the Quran has laid out. That by and large, the hijab is a sign that a woman is not interested in you, basically. That a woman is not interested in you, but rather this woman is only interested in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and serving her. And, you know, if you were to ask men, that you know, uh, you know, if there was to be a man who 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 was after something, yeah, he he had bad thoughts. He was after a relationship, and he's walking down the road, or he walks into a cafe, walks into a restaurant. What kind of women generally is he going to target? Is it going to be women that adopt the clothing of modesty, and the hijab is a clothing of modesty, or is he going to approach women that? he thinks are going to be more inclined to what he wants. And and that's something, you know, without trying to offend people, that's just the reality of it. You can ask, you know, any man and he will say the same thing to you. Unfortunately, nowadays, sometimes, you know, we as hijab-wearing women have made it more difficult for other hijab-wearing women because you have to remember that every single time, you know, as a hijab-wearing woman, you were to commit a sin, you were to do something that is not appropriate, you're kind of giving a bad name to all hijab-wearing women. Likewise, when it comes to men, one of, I suppose you can say, the, the signs of uh, a man's submittal to Allah and his Prophet is the donning of a beard. And obviously it's not exclusive because, you know, loads of people have beards around the world, um, whether they are 
Muslim or not Muslim and obviously it's a bit of a trend especially at the moment uh, so it's not like the hijab in that sense the hijab the way that we wear it is actually very exclusive to Muslim women whereas the beard we can take it as a, as a kind of example if you know there were to be men who wear be who who have beards and go around wearing thobes and they are the ones who are committing horrible sins and you know they they they're drinking alcohol for example on the street corner or they're whistling at women then naturally a person that looks at them would would think that you know what is this person doing they're setting such a bad image for other muslim men and by and large muslim men probably aren't like that but it only takes one bad you know example for a person to think that you know what everybody's like this so that's just like a kind of side point for us that you know as muslim women um it's important that we are very very conscientious and careful about what we portray to the outside world what we portray not just to non-muslims but to other muslims as well that when you leave your home you know you, and you you are recognized as a muslim it's important that you kind of put your best foot forward that you want other people to also see the beauty of islam you don't want to be that person that turns somebody away from the beauty of islam So in this verse Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala then ends it by saying wa kana Allahu ghafurur rahima and indeed Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving all merciful you know look at how beautiful you know the ending of this verse is that Allah has talked about a command that he is revealing down upon believing women upon the wives and the daughters of the prophet alayhi salam as well and after giving the ruling Allah reminds us about his forgiving nature and about the mercy of Allah and indeed within the legislation of the hijab there is a mercy and you know i i know that it's not always easy you know for somebody that's been brought up with in a family that kind of wears hijab maybe it is easy for us to kind of adopt it but i know that there's other sisters out there women out there that really really struggle with the wearing of the hijab like really struggle uh, you know with their with their image and the way that they look and what people are going to say especially if they're not used to it or maybe if they've reverted to islam or maybe they live in a society community where uh, you know it's not common for people to be wearing hijab and i'm not saying for a second that this is something easy but this is a struggle that is going to be rewarded by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even though we find it very difficult to get up for fajr in the morning you know it's something that we do because we know that it's a fard is an obligation upon us so we have to forsake our beds and we have to go and do wudu and then we have to you know do all of this because it's a command from Allah and i know that sometimes the struggle with wearing the hijab is very very real for certain sisters but again we have to persevere we have to show that our desire to please Allah is greater than our desire for anything else So then moving on from these two verses in the Quran that are extremely clear cut uh, be in no doubt about that extremely clear cut as to the fard and the compulsion of hijab upon the believing women and just to kind of mention that you know when something is fard from the Quran the opposite of that is haram so if it is fard for a person to pray salah then to not pray salah becomes haram if it is fard for a person to abstain from alcohol then it is haram for a person to drink alcohol 
Therefore, the same thing applies here. It is compulsory. It is a command from Allah, clearly from the Quran, that the hijab and the outer garment, the hijab, um, and you know, generally covering oneself up, is a fard act from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Therefore, to leave it is something that is haram. You know, and there's no kind of mincing words here. That is very, very clear cut. And the reason I'm saying that is that we have to be very, very careful in our choice of words. There are many, many Muslim women around the world that do not wear hijab. That that is something that is between them and Allah. Everybody is on a different journey. Maybe they're not wearing it today, but inshallah, Allah will give them the, the ability and then you will start wearing it tomorrow. That's not for us to kind of interfere and judge their character based on that. However, if a person was to deny that the hijab is fard, then that is extremely problematic. To go against a command of the Qur'an, extremely problematic, and a lot of scholars would say it takes a person outside the fold of Islam. So again, what I'm saying is, if a person knows that, it, that the hijab is, is important for them to wear, but they are just not wearing it at this moment in time because of whatever reason. You know, that's different. That is, you know, it's still sinful. I'm not going to say that it's okay. It's still sinful because you're going against the command of Allah. But if a person was to full out deny that the hijab is even fard, that is when we are talking dangerous, dangerous territory. So please, you know, sisters, if you, you know, there might be sisters here on, on, on the call today who don't wear hijab. As long as you recognize within yourself that I should be wearing hijab because hijab is something that my Allah, my Lord has legislated upon me. Maybe today, you know, you, you aren't strong enough to be doing so, but you have a desire within yourself that, yes, I want to start you know, maybe I'm not praying today, but I know that it's important to pray. I, I am, inshallah, one day going to start praying. This is, you know, it, it still shows a person has a recognition of the importance of hijab and the commands of Allah. But if we were to turn around and say, you know what, the hijab is not even important in our religion. I don't even think that the hijab is fard. I don't think Allah made it compulsory. That was just for women of the past. That was only for the Arabs. That was only for the Prophet's wives, etc. This is something that we are not allowed to do. And like I said, there are you know, women out there that are trying to push this agenda so you, in order to kind of equip yourself against people that are trying to distort the religion, the only weapon that we have is knowledge, my dear respected sisters. Therefore, if we ourselves don't understand what is in the Qur'an, we don't understand what is in the Hadith, then how are we going to defend ourselves? If, you know, we, you know tomorrow you, we send our daughters to university and, you know, they start getting involved in a certain crowd and this crowd is pushing this agenda that, no, you know, you have freedom of choice, you can dress however you want, Allah has not made hijab fard upon you, etc., etc., how is this girl, this young impressionable girl, going to defend herself against this kind of mentality if she hasn't been taught, if she hasn't been brought up knowing the verses of hijab, knowing what Allah has commanded us to do? 
So that's something that is extremely important for us as guardians, as parents, as older sisters, aunties, etc., to be assisting our, you know, young girls, etc., and teaching them about the importance of hijab and slowly assisting them to adopt it if they're not already doing so. Uh, in one hadith, it's mentioned that may Allah have mercy upon a person that assists his child to be good, meaning. Any time that you assist, whether it's your own child or somebody else's child, that's neither here nor there, whether it's your own biological child, a child that you're fostering, a student of yours, a niece of yours, a nephew of yours, to assist them, teach them to do something good. This is, you know, a, a way of attracting Allah's mercy upon yourself. Therefore, you know, that's something that is important for us to, to, to take in mind. Now, Regarding the hijab and the jilbab, all around the world, we know that there are different cultures on, you know, on, on, on dress sense, on fashion. So the way that people dress in, you know, a village in Africa might be different to the way a person dresses in, you know, um, a, a remote village in Switzerland somewhere. The way that people dress in Saudi Arabia might be different to the way the Muslims in Malaysia or Indonesia dress. And that's something that is fine. Islam did not come to make every single Muslim man and Muslim woman out there look identical to one another. Islam did not come to create robots. Allah and, you know, the religion encourage, you know, different cultures, different languages um, to, to live and to flourish Islam did not come to eradicate culture, but if there is anything within that culture that goes against Islam, then yes, of course, that is something that we are not that we are not allowed to do. Therefore, if your culture encourages, you know, um, having relationships outside of marriage, then that's something in your culture that has to be eradicated because it goes directly against a commandment from Allah whereas if in your culture it's your culture that on on uh, somebody's wedding the bride always wears red then you know there's nothing wrong with that because Islam has not come to tell you what color and what color you can't wear on your wedding you know there's certain cultures cultural practices that Islam allows to continue nothing wrong with that so when it comes to the hijab and the jilbab itself, what we know regarding the ruling of hijab is that it is something that has to cover your head, your shoulders and your chest. This is what a hijab is. A hijab is not something that is just worn like on top of the head, you know, leaving the ears and the neck exposed. A hijab is not something that is kind of tightly wrapped around the neck so that your chest and your bosom is exposed. It is not that. And I know that if a person was to, you know, on social media, a lot of hijabi wearing influencers, for example, might be dressed in a certain way, but that doesn't make it okay. So we have to understand for ourselves what is the definition of hijab and we have to dress accordingly. We are not taking our religion and I'm not having a dig at anybody out there you know these influencers etc because I don't know what their level of knowledge is they are not maybe they're not purporting to be you know Islamic role models therefore it's our problem then isn't it if that every time we see a Muslim on on screen whether it's on TV or on YouTube or on Instagram if we start taking them as our role models then that's something that is our problem 
because why are we doing that why are we giving them that sort of you know um sort of hold over us when islam has clearly given us role models in the quran clearly given us role models in the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we don't need to be looking for role models elsewhere so for ourselves we need to know that the hijab is something that has to cover the whole of the head meaning the hair cannot be exposed from the front or from the back the the neck has to be covered this is a part of our aura and the chest also has to be covered that's like layer one of our hijab on top of that in the verse that i mentioned in surah hazab allah mentions what the jalabib the jilbab and the jilbab is something that is supposed to cover on top of the hijab so i suppose you can think of it you know the way that we have our abayas and jilbabs today that kind of falls under the the, the definition of what a jilbab was in the time of the sahaba radiyallahu anhum the way that they understood it though was it is something that is worn over the head and drawn close to themselves so if you think of like you know a big cloak so imagine there's a, there's a lady she's wearing her normal clothing you know her dress or whatever she's got a hijab on her head that is covering her hair and the majority of her chest etc and then on top of that when she leaves the house she's got this big like a uh, shawl or like a cloak thing that she puts on top of her head and then she wraps it around herself that's what you know the the sahaba understood for uh, as to what a jilbab and a hijab was and we have examples from Aisha radhiyallahu anha she mentions that then when these verses were revealed you know may Allah have mercy upon these female sahaba that were there present at that time because they set the standard for what it means to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when the command came down of hijab these verses in surah nur and surah ahzab were revealed they did not um and ah about it at all they understood because obviously they were native arabs they understood what these these words meant straight away they adopted you know the the the, the real hijab so that when they would leave their house they would be completely covered so much so that some of the male sahaba like ibn abbas radiyallahu anhuma he mentions that his understanding of hijab and jilbab was that a woman goes out and nothing is seen from her except for maybe her eyes that she needs in order to you obviously see what's happening on the road uh, and to you know walk safely that is how you know how extreme they took the the verses and the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they implemented them down to a t therefore you know in a modern context you know I, I know we don't generally see women walking around with like these open cloaks and shawls hanging down over their head um but any sort of variation of that as long as it fulfills the conditions of covering what needs to be covered so you know you don't have your ankles on display or you don't have your wrists on display or you don't have you know your ears and your earrings on display or your neck on display etc um and you know that what you're wearing is not extremely thin so that you can see the skin underneath as long as it's not very tight so that you can't see the you know that the shape of the body underneath as long as you fulfill these basic 
you know, these basic categories, then inshallah, you know, all around the world, people have, you know, dress in different ways. You go to Saudi Arabia, generally speaking, their attire is one of, you know, they wear like black buyers and they might wear the, the, the black niqab that covers the face and leaves the eyes showing. Whereas you go to somewhere like Malaysia, you know, it's very colourful in terms of the clothing that they wear. But if a person was to adopt that dress in Saudi Arabia, they'd stick out like a sore thumb, isn't it? Which is why the whole verse has to has to be looked at as a whole. Remember, Allah is saying that you wear this hijab, you draw the jilbab over your body so that you can be recognised, number one, as believing women. And number two, that you don't stick out you don't draw attention to yourself so that you know you're harmed by other people therefore it's so important that a person looks at context you look at where you are which is why it's so difficult for a person a scholar to give like a blanket ruling of you wear this don't wear this that's not what the scholars should be doing this is something that we as muslim women we should know in our wardrobe or when we go shopping we should know what kind of clothing would be suitable for us to wear so that it fulfills this criteria what kind of clothing can i wear so that it doesn't draw unnecessary attention to myself what kind of you know how am i going to wear the hijab so that it you know fulfills the criteria of covering my hair and my chest and not showing anything on display so Again, that's something to, to also bear in mind that all around the world, you know, people have uh, taken the hijab and the jilbab in slightly different ways. But as long as it fulfills the basic criteria, then that is something that is fine. Now, what is not allowed when it comes to the hijab is something called tabarruj. Tabarruj means to kind of go out of your way to exaggerate your beauty. So this is an example, let's just say, of a woman wearing the hijab but not wearing the hijab. Um, the Prophet ﷺ even mentioned, you know, in, in a hadith regarding um, like close to the end of times, there are going to be women who are clothed but naked. You know, what does that mean, clothed but naked? And what do I mean by wearing hijab but not wearing hijab? So let me give you an example. You know, you might have a, a woman who's got a headscarf She's got this headscarf on her head. Her hair is covered. Yes, her hair is covered. But on her face, she's got extremely heavy eye makeup. She's got, you know, coloured contact lenses in. Uh, she's wearing bright lipstick. The head, the jilbab that she's wearing, the abaya that she's wearing, is extremely figure-hugging, you know, made out of jersey. The What she's wearing on her feet are, you know, stiletto heels, She's walking down the road. Now, you tell me if this kind of woman is going to be attracting attention to herself or not. She might argue that, look, I'm going according to the verse in the Quran. Allah says, cover, wear a hijab and wear a jilbab. That's what I'm doing. But common sense will kind of dictate to us. Well, actually, that goes against the spirit of the verse. She might be claiming that she's acting upon the wording of the words in the Quran where, okay, Allah has said, wear a hijab, wear a jilbab. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. But really, the context and the spirit of the verse, is that what it's saying? 
that wear the hijab and the jilbab but then go around and you know f talk in a flirtatious manner to men you know wear the hijab and the jilbab but go around and you know commit sin wear the hijab and the jilbab and go around and you know be behave in a immodest manner you know of course not you know anybody you know who, who who kind of reads the Quran, anybody who kind of reflects upon the overall rulings of our religion will understand that that is something that is wrong. Therefore, tabarruj refers to this, that you kind of go out of your way to exaggerate your beauty. You might you know be wearing the hijab and the jilbab, yes, but you are still exaggerating your beauty so that you can draw attention to yourself. And again, look, I want to keep emphasizing that not everything that we do revolves around men. We are not, you know, doing things or abstaining from doing things because because of men, men, men. You know, that's kind of outside of the equation. And this talk is just for women. Therefore, I want to focus on us. We are doing it to be very clear because it's a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah has, you know, advised us that one of the wisdoms and one of the, the, the byproducts of this hijab is that you won't be molested by people that have bad intentions, whether that's men or whether that's women or whether it's aliens, it doesn't matter. But we are going to wear the hijab in the manner that Allah has ordained us to wear it. Therefore, tabaruj again is something that is so subjective and again I would say that you will know when you are getting ready, you know you're looking in the mirror in the morning and you are getting ready, you're getting dressed, you will know deep down if you were to kind of uh, consult with your heart and remember the heart is the place where iman resides. If you were to really be honest with yourself, you will know how much makeup is too much makeup. You will know, you know, if you are being honest with yourself, uh, how tight is too tight. You will know how bright is too bright. You know, I, I don't need to kind of sit here and give you like a color palette of, you know, these shades are okay to wear, but these shades are too bright. This kind of makeup is okay, whereas this kind of makeup is not okay, because that's impossible to do, isn't it? That That's not something that, that anybody can can kind of, you know, write strict guidelines for. Rather, you have to leave it to the discretion of the Muslimer. You have to leave it to the discretion of the Muslim woman who is wearing the hijab because it's a command from Allah. But by wearing the hijab, she understands that I can't go against other commands of Allah, like the commands of modesty, etc. So you will know, you know, when, when it comes to leaving the house, um, you know, do it in a way that is extremely, extremely modest. Um, don't be wearing you know makeup especially if it's very heavy makeup you know we should not be wearing perfume when we leave the house because this is something again that attracts attention to ourselves within the constraints of the house you know with your husband with your family members with your you know uh, sisters at sister only events etc we can you know have fun islam has not come to kind of make us into robots that all look the same and you know dress the same etc no but there is a limit to how much enjoyment we can take in this in the dunya and this is not this is not a discussion limited to the hijab just think about the whole of the sharia there might be people out there that really struggle with the concept of um you know being chased 
you know there might be men and women out there that are that have you know extremely strong desires and they really want to you know go out and have different relationships etc but Allah has not allowed that this dunya is not a place of you know do what you will and enjoy yourself in whatever manner you will Allah has given us guidelines in this dunya that we have to abide by likewise with the hijab even if it's not easy even if we do struggle with it, we as women need to support one another, lift one another up. We need to create a culture within ourselves where the hijab is beautiful and it is accepted and people are happy and confident wearing it the real hijab though I'm not talking about a tabarruj you know exaggerated fashionable hijab no and you know if if a person needs any sort of further proof of how important the hijab is then just have a look at other rulings in our religion that are required the hijab there might be sisters out there that don't wear the hijab, maybe because they don't understand the importance of it, maybe because they don't equate the hijab with as much importance as they give to the salah. So there might be sisters who wear salah, who pray salah, but then when they leave the house, they don't wear hijab. There might be sisters who give zakat every year because they know that it's fard, but they don't give that same importance to the hijab, even though it's also fard. You know, that's something that we have to understand. This is also fard. And look at the salah in our religion. Look at the hajj in our religion. Look at the shroud in our religion. And you tell me that how can a woman or a man, how can anybody deny that this is something that Allah has legislated upon the believing women? You are not allowed to pray salah without a hijab. That's something that is generally understood. You cannot pray salah without covering yourself up. You cannot pray salah with your hair showing. You cannot pray salah with your neck showing, your wrist, your ankle, etc. Now the salah is the ideal communication that we have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when we are standing in front of the prayer mat, this is a direct conversation. This is a direct communication with Allah. And Allah has clearly told us the requisites, the prerequisites of salah, that you have to be in a state of purity, yes. You have to be facing the qibla, yes. You have to be covered up, your aura has to be covered. Now, if Allah has set this high standard for, for us in the salah, then you tell me why, what reason do we have not to adopt that same standard outside of salah? You know, inside of the salah, you would not, you know, be, be wearing heavy makeup. You would not be wearing a tight, tight abaya. You would not have your fringe on show because you know that your salah will not be accepted. Therefore, that gives us an indication as to how important the hijab is. If it's important inside of the salah, it's important outside of the salah as well. When a woman goes to perform hajj, you know, look, look at how many women there are around the world that you know, maybe on a daily basis, they don't wear the hijab. Now, can they turn around and say, you know what, I don't wear the hijab generally, but I want to go and do hajj and I want to go and do umrah. And so I don't want to wear the hijab there as well. No, nobody says that because they know that this is a, 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 a an important requisite of the hajj and umrah to be accepted, that I need to be covered up. Therefore, that same standard that we have of our ihram, the way that we dress when it comes to our umrah and hajj, because we want it so badly to be accepted, 
we need to apply that same desire to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala outside of the Hajj and Umrah. Look at the shroud that we have. The, whether you wear hijab in this world or whether you don't. Whether you understand the importance of it, the power of it or whether you don't. If you die upon Islam, you are going to be expected and you would expect yourself to be bathed, to be given a ghusl and then to be shrouded in accordance with Islamic principles because in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you want to be raised in a manner that is pleasing to Allah. Now, I've never heard an example of a sister that doesn't wear hijab in this dunya and then she says, you know what, when you bury me, you know, bury me without a hijab as well. No, because we know that when death comes, then that's it. Now is our time of accountability. You want your death to be in the best way possible. You want your sending off to be in the best way possible. And it is one of the requirements of the shroud of a woman that a hijab is going to be placed on her. Now, we don't want to be that kind of woman that, you know, the, the, the only time we wear hijab is when, you know, men are carrying us on their shoulders in order to bury us. You know, we, we, we don't want to be that kind of person. We don't want to be that kind of woman who, you know, prays salah and goes to do umrah and goes to do hajj and only dons the hijab then. But when we come back to our life, we can't, you know, strive for the sake of Allah in order to wear the hijab properly. And again, be strong enough and confident enough to be able to wear the hijab the way that it's supposed to be worn. You know, let's not make like a, a kind of mockery of the hijab. And again, you know, my, my dear sisters, I know, you know, firsthand how difficult it is, especially, especially, you know, it's kind of easy for me to say now when I'm a bit older. And as you get older, you, you kind of get comfortable in your own skin. You don't mind even being different because you, you have that self-esteem and confidence about you that, you know what, I don't care what other people think. I'm going to do it for the sake of Allah. But I know that when you're, you know, 13 years old, 14 years old, 18 years old, going into university, going into a different crowd, going into college, how difficult it is to not go with the crowd. You know, we want to fit in. We want to be like everybody else. And I know it's difficult for a person to be strong enough in order to break away from that. So you might go to a college where nobody is wearing the hijab. Therefore, it is a struggle for you every day to wear that hijab, knowing that you are different. But my dear respected sisters, know that being different is not a bad thing. The Prophet ﷺ told us that this religion started off as something strange and it will end up as something strange, therefore give glad tidings to the strangers. The Prophet ﷺ is giving glad tidings to those people that continue, you know, adopting the symbols of Islam, continue adopting what Allah expects from us, even if it makes us look strange, even if it makes us look weird to other people. You know, it's uh, almost as if the Prophet is saying, look, I am giving glad tidings to you for standing out because you're standing out in the right way now. You are standing out as a kind of beacon of confidence and power by doing so. And how, like, how shameful would it be if 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us in the Quran and the Prophet Islam has told us you know, time and time again through the hadith about the importance of wearing hijab and we still don't take that on board. We don't understand the importance of it. But if tomorrow, you know, um, the likes of, um, I don't know, Rihanna or Kim Kardashian or, you know, these other singers and and you know pop stars and instagram influencers that we have if they were to make the hijab influential they were to make it something fashionable believe me everybody would be doing it you know how sad is that that you know just take the example of the of the face masks for example you know you know a few years ago a couple of years ago before this whole pandemic started to cover your face was like you know something that was extremely looked down upon you know how can somebody cover their face how are we supposed to recognize you how are we supposed to speak to you uh, if we can't see you and now you know subhanallah all of a sudden everybody's covering their face and it's almost become fashionable to cover your face because people are, you know, wearing fashionable masks now and going out of the way to to make this into a fashion trend. If, you know, the, the, the Instagrammers and the influence were to make the hijab fashionable, we would be the first to be on board that, oh yeah, because they're doing it, let's all do it as well. And, you know, that, that that's sad that we place so much importance upon people who don't matter, who people on the day of judgment aren't going to be there for you. But we place so little importance as to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us, knowing full well that anything that Allah commands us to do is for our own benefit. You know, my dear respected sisters, by us praying and by us wearing the hijab and by us fasting, we are not doing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a favour. Allah does not need our worship. Allah does not need our modesty. You know, Allah has placed us in this dunya as a test. And within this test that he has set for us, he's given you, you know, the, the, the kind of recipe for success. How to live in this life in a manner that is going to be pleasing and comfortable uh, for you. So we have to, you know, inshallah, if there's anything that we can take away from this talk, it is not only the importance of following the commands of Allah, one of which is the hijab. But secondly, the importance of being confident enough to be your own person. And, you know, subhanAllah, we actually live in a time where because of a lot of these, you know, different movements that are taking place uh, for female rights around the world, more and more women are actually coming out. They are fed up with men telling them what to do and how to dress and how to talk and how to walk. You know, there are schools of women around the world, you know, non-Muslim women that are trying to break free of these shackles of constantly having to please other men, constantly having to, you know, do things that they don't want to do. But, you know, the, the, the men have sort of set this standard around the world for it. You know, women are fed up of this. They are fed up of being controlled by men, fed up of being told what to do by men, fed up of being oppressed and subjugated and abused in so many ways by men. And what is the solution to all of this? That we don't give these men and these women the importance and the power to control us Rather, we subject ourselves only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is so true, it is so true that what, what they say, that when you become a slave to Allah, that is one of the most liberating things that a person can do. 
you know subhanallah generally when you think of slavery obviously is something that is that is constrictive is something that you know takes away your rights you know imagine if a person was a slave in the dunya you know a slave to you know like the the way that you had the african slaves in america or you've got you know modern day slaves even today around the world that is something that is dehumanizing but when you become a slave to allah it kind of lifts you up and detaches you away from all of the filth of this dunya because you know that you aren't there to please any mortal being you are there only to please allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and look at how much importance allah has given to the hijab if you want one example of how a hijab is definitely not oppressive of how the hijab is definitely not something that is used in order to oppress and cover up women and to you know put women in their place but rather how the hijab is a sign of beauty and honor then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself the prophet alayhi tells us has taken a hijab nuruhu hijab that the hijab of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and by hijab we mean a covering we mean a veil that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has taken a covering and this is a covering of light. And if Allah was to reveal, as in to, to remove this veil upon the inhabitants of the heavens and the earth, they would not be able to handle it. Because the light of Allah, the beauty of Allah is so powerful that Allah himself has had to shield and take this veil from the rest of creation. So if that doesn't tell us about how hijab is ultimately a sign of power and beauty and definitely not a sign of you know being oppressed uh, etc then this is an example of that so you know in order to summarize you know being confident is a sign of a believer the prophet told us that a strong believer is more beloved in the sight of allah than a weak believer therefore we want to be strong enough that we are that woman or we are those women that can, you know, don the hijab and we can don the hijab properly the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in the Quran and therefore we can set a culture for our young Muslims as well, for our young Muslim sisters that it's okay to wear the hijab, it's okay to not have to plaster yourself in makeup, it's okay to not, you know, sexualize yourself for the pleasure of other people but rather you can, you know, make it your life mission to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with that you know you, you will find peace of mind you will find contentment uh, as well because you're not constantly on your toes chasing trends chasing people but rather everything that we do we are doing it with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in mind and finally I want to end with um, a statement of, of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha where she kind of summarized what we've discussed in these two verses by saying, you know, once she came across a group of women that were dressed inappropriately. So, you know, again, these were Arab women. And for the Arabs at that time, you know, generally speaking, they used to be covered up. But even then, you know, it is possible, like we've mentioned, for a person to be covered up but still be immodest. So these women that came, you know, in front of Aisha radiallahu anha, they were wearing extremely thin clothing. 
So they were all covered up, you know, from head to toe. But the clothing that they were wearing was thin. Therefore, you could see, you know, the shape of the body, etc. underneath. So she turned around and she said to them that, look, sisters, if you claim to be believers, then this is not the clothing of believers. But if you don't claim to be believers, then know that this world is a, a time of a short amusement. And what that means is that the clothing that we wear will reflect our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not. Aisha radiallahu anha, who is one of the, the queens of the women of Jannah, the most beloved, one of the most beloved wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, one who understood the Qur'an inside out, the one who lived with the Prophet islam therefore understood his sunnah inside out, understood the spirit of Islam far better than you and I. She is saying that, you know, to be dressed in a way where you are wearing hijab but not wearing hijab, meaning you're wearing thin clothing or tight clothing. This is not the dress of a believer. And if you are still going to persist and kind of, you know, dress in that way, then this dunya is a short, very, very short period of time. And tomorrow we're going to be standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and, you know, we, we are going to hope for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have mercy upon us. And one of the ways to attract his mercy is that in this dunya we should have followed his commands. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all of us to, you know, wear the hijab, to wear it properly, to, you know, go about our daily lives uh, by showing people the importance of hijab and how confident we are in this hijab that we wear. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for our younger generation especially to recognize the importance of this hijab um, and to adopt it properly. Uh, my dear respected sisters, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Uh, again, I couldn't cover everything that I wanted to cover because this really is a vast topic. But again, I'm going to reiterate for the final time that if you are in any doubt as to what is acceptable to wear when you are outside of the home and what is not acceptable to wear, then please, you know, do a, a kind of a private consultation with your heart. Because the heart of a believer is the place where Iman resides. And if we were to detach ourselves from all of these uh, horrible influences that we have upon us in the form of celebrities and social media and, you know, etc, etc. If we were to just for a moment detach ourselves away from that, look in the mirror and think, is this clothing that I'm about to leave the house in going to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not? then we will already have our answer as to how we should be dressing and what is appropriate and what is not, inshallah ta'ala. If you do have any questions, please put them in the comments and Sister Tahira will get to me. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I kind of do have to go quickly. Uh, my baby, you know, alhamdulillah, he's three months old uh, today. Um, he's crying now, so I do need to go and feed him. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and hopefully I will speak to you at, um, you know, on a future occasion as well, inshallah. Take care. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. As usual, your talk was amazing and very, very informative. I certainly enjoyed it. And I'm sure all the sisters who joined online 
enjoyed it as well. Um, I've made notes and I'm sure all the sisters have made notes as well. And it's important that we implement what you have taught us today. And sisters, any gems, anything that you have learned from APA today, um, try to make them 